Heather from the media team at Word Alive, and you're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This week, Kent Maddock gives some prophetic insight to the 2016 election and reminds us that regardless of our political preferences, that we should pray for the leaders of our great nation. For more content like this, visit wordalive.tv. I hope you enjoy this message. spend a few minutes that we have together talking to you about the prophetic implications of this recent election. I know that's been on uh, everybody's minds the last few months, really, probably gearing up to last week. And uh, I believe the Lord's given us a prophetic perspective. So once you touch two or three people aside, you say, this could get awkward. Tell them this could get awkward today. Uh, I want to say this. Right off the get-go, God is raising up true prophets. And we need to, when you you read the Bible, they had kings. I've understood. They had government. Understood. But they also had prophets. And the prophets were called to speak into government and also called to speak to the people about government. And so the people, yes, lived under submission and prayed for their kings and leaders, but they listened for the voice of the prophets. Because how many know if you listen to the voice of only the political pundits, you're going to get confused? So, yes, you take information, you take knowledge, but then you've got to hear the voice of the prophets. And so I'll start our talk off in a very interesting way today. Uh, Sadhu Sundar Savaraj from India, who has actually prophesied to our church, prophesied in August about the outcome of this election. And I find it very interesting. Check this out. I was caught up in the spirit and I found my soul standing before the council, the very council where I always used to go. And I saw Father Abraham and I was standing beside him. And I was very, very surprised to see Donald Trump come and stand in that in that room and this is what i was told they said trump will become president wait 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 listen to the whole thing before you clap your hands he will be used to clean and purify the nation as hard as he is he has been prepared for this. As Cyrus was used to discipline Israel and then to restore Israel, likewise, Trump will be used in the US. He will be used to curb violence. He will be God's mouth and hand for this nation. So. This was a word that, this was a vision that I saw on that 10th of August at 8.23 p.m. And since I was told not to share, I just kept it to myself. And I wasn't planning to share this at all. But while we were seated there, I showed this to Brother Neville. I said, does this bear witness to you? I read to him, he said, 100% I agree with this. So because we had an agreement, now I'm sharing with you what I saw in the council. 
Now, obviously, he's talking to a Trump crowd <laughs> with the applause, you can tell, uh, which, is, which is okay. But the point we want to focus on is this is something God revealed, all right? Second thing, prophet, was Chuck Pierce, also a prophet to our house, and he will be here tonight, actually, which is very interesting. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. This is on Facebook. I don't have a video of it, but God said on him on May 31st, 2008, uh, when he asked, how will God change America? He replied, you will have to learn to play the trump card. This is about changing a nation. This is not about a man. It's about changing a nation or a new wineskin. It was prophesied that Donald Trump would be a wrecking ball to the political system. It's been prophesied that Donald Trump would be uh, as the anointing of Cyrus in Isaiah 45. Cyrus was a king uh, that God raised up uh, to, to move Israel into another place of their purpose and their destiny. And what's interesting, uh, Isaiah 45, 5 says, Cyrus is a man who did not know God. And, uh, and so interesting enough that God can even use a man who doesn't know him for his purposes and his, and, and, and his plans. I find it very interesting that the prophets were told this because in the natural it was speculated that that would not happen, that it was an impossibility. I watched a lot of it this year, this, this season, and all, all, the, all the, the pollsters and everybody said there's no plausible pathway and et cetera, et cetera, and yet we see what God wanted to do happen. Now, what's interesting is Chuck Pierce also prophesied in 2008 that Barack Obama would be president and that he would be president for eight years. And uh, he took a lot of persecution for that, but it was God's will and it was God's plan revealed for that to happen. Now, I'll show you that to show you the power of the prophetic, but I also show it to you to make a powerful point. Neither of these prophecies are a validation of a man or a candidate or a political party. That doesn't mean God's for Donald Trump and is not for Hillary Clinton. That doesn't mean God's for the Republicans, not for the Democrats. This has nothing to do with the validity of a man or a, poli or, or, or a uh, political party. This is simply the revealed will of God for whatever reason that may be that probably most of us do not know for this season as a nation. So we, what we've got to, here's where we've got to get to. We've got to quit demonizing those who don't believe the way we do. I'll pause there for a minute. We've got to come to this understanding that there are a lot of great brothers and sisters that are Christians that are Republican. And there's a lot of great brothers and sisters that are Christians that are Democrat. You little Republican crowd here. That's all right. There's a, there, there's a lot of great brothers and sisters who are Christians who are independent. There's a lot of great brothers and sisters who don't give a rip about any of it. But they're still our brothers and our sisters. And you can't demonize a person or a party just because you don't have, have a personal belief in their politics or their policies. And that's what we've got to get to if we're going to move forward as a nation because whether you're celebrating the victory of Trump or you're, or you're uh, you know, getting past the defeat of, of Hillary Clinton, our nation needs healed. Regardless of how you voted or who you were cheering for in the U.S. election, you probably are thinking like me, what now? And there's no doubt something fundamental is changing before our eyes. 
Unquestionably, things will never quite be the same. If anything, this recent election has confused Christians as to how to respond. Often, the suggested responses are political. But I'd like to take a different tack today. I have four suggestions. Touch you never say strong suggestions. <laughs> I have four suggestions on what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to respond to this political election in the United States. Number one, regardless of your political views, see this season as an opportunity, not an obstacle. Some people see the defeat of their candidate as a defeat for the gospel. Or conversely, they see the election of a candidate as validation of the gospel. Americans have been in the relatively unique position of having their candidates represent some of their views in Washington. That's something that the rest of the, in the rest of the world doesn't exist. Most every nation around the world, their political leaders have nothing to do with their spirituality because there's such a vast difference in it. We're the only nation in the world that really connects those two in the way that we do because of the founding of our nation. And so we got to one thing realize that only 5% of the world actually lives here. So there's a whole other 95% of the world that lives outside. So we got to have the perspective, the kingdom of God does not rise and fall on America. Even though we've got a redemptive purpose in the world, it's not just about America. My Bible didn't say God so loved the world or so loved America that he gave his son. My Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe not perish. Yet many Christians would now say that none of the major political candidates actually represent their views or morality. Is that a bad thing? I don't think so. You can see massive changes in the U.S. political landscape as an obstacle or an opportunity. What's, what if it's an opportunity? What if this is a great opportunity to show your friends and neighbors how the church is truly different from the political culture which Americans are tired of anyway? according to the election results. Just remember, your salvation doesn't come from a political party. It comes from the cross. Even if your candidate won, that's not your salvation. Political solutions are always partial anyway. They can never heal the soul. That is the work of Jesus and his church, and an incredible opportunity stands in front of us as the church to rise up and be the church in our nation like never before and preach the kingdom of God. Y'all going to have to help me more than that or I'm coming out there. Come on now. Come on now. I said let the church be the church. Get lazy on me, you 11 o'clockers. Y'all got to sleep in. We've been working for two hours before you out here. We've got to realize we've got to rise up as a church. You see, because we've demonized parties and people, and then the division has been very powerful and palpable. And we've got to bring healing to that as a church. And we got to understand the church isn't just white or isn't just black or isn't just Methodist or isn't just Pentecostal. The church is the global church of God. 
We, I sat in a meeting to, yes, this week with over 100 pastors from the state of Alabama, and there were blacks and whites and Hispanics and Asians in every denomination, Catholic, Lutheran, Pentecostals, Methodists. And when you sit with people like that and you see the different cultures and the different uh, mindsets and the different viewpoints, and I sit with a real man of God who's a black pastor from Gadsden. He's a really powerful man of God. And he sat there in our environment because there were some people celebrating the fact because they believed God had spoken about this candidate, that this candidate had gone into office. And he made a very powerful point. He said, I just need to hang on just a second. He said, I understand that this may be God's will, and I'm good with that. And I'm ready to get behind this candidate, I'm going to get behind this president and stand with you. He said, but we need to pause a minute. He said, because there's been a man in the office for eight years who I felt confident God had called the office, and you've done nothing but disrespect him. And before we can move forward together in unity, we've got to heal this breach of disrespect. You're asking me to get behind a candidate that I really didn't believe in and didn't really reach out to my culture or my understanding of what needed to be done. But I'm good with that being God's will, and I'm ready to get in behind it. But we, you can't expect us to get behind this man when you've done nothing but disrespect this man for the last eight years. And he said, and I understand that there's a divide where police are being shot. And he said, I feel terrible about that. He said, but also I have a 25-year-old son that's an upstanding citizen. One of those young men that everybody says, I wish there was 10 of them. And I have to educate him in how to deal with policemen if he stopped. And we just have to be honest there's a breach on both sides. It's not one-sided. And this ain't about no one-sided thing. This is about us as a church rising up being for all cultures, all parties, all race, all people, whether they're a majority or a minority. We are for all people in America. And this is important. Bring you to my second point, be the church. The time has never been better for the church to be the church, not a political action committee, not a mouthpiece for a political party, just the church. If God, if God, if God has all the same opinions as your political party does, you're probably not worshiping God. Being the church is inherently personal. You don't go to church, you are the church. Your church is not something you attend or simply agree with. It's something you are. You bring it to home. You take it to work. You, you, you introduce it to friends. You're the church everywhere you go, which means you bring love, you bring hope, and you bring the truth of Christ everywhere you go. Authentic, grace-filled, hope-bearing, truthful people are what our friends and neighbors need right now more than ever. They need the church to stand up and be the church. So go. The nation and the world needs us much more right now. And maybe that's what you can bring. When you go to the office tomorrow, instead of bringing some cynical attitude... Instead of bringing some political rhetoric, maybe you should stand up in your workplace and you be the hope and the strength and the life and the peace that God wants to speak to all people in this season. Yes, 
Because there's people, yes, there are minorities in our nation. Yes, there are illegal uh, uh, immigrants. Yes, there are different cultures that have a real sense of fear of what the future may hold. There's senior citizens that are dependent on health care. There's a lot of different people that we don't understand are just afraid right now because they don't really know what the future holds. And neither do we, but we know who holds the future. And so what we need to do as a church is be the hope and the light and the life and the joy and the peace as we stand in this world. No problem debating policy. But when it gets personal and you start demonizing party, that's when you've got to stand up and say, hold on, we don't need to do that. We need to pray. And we need to believe God for what he wants to do in our nation. And we need the church to be the church. So touch two other people and say, we need the church to be the church. Tell them, we need the church to be the church. Number three. Foster a genuine friendship with someone who is completely different than you. If you want to know what being the church looks like, maybe it looks like this. Sparking a genuine friendship with someone who's completely different than you. Regardless of who you voted or didn't vote for, almost every analyst is calling this the most divisive election campaign in recent history. It was great, I thought, of President-elect Trump to talk about unity in his acceptance speech. I thought it was great when President Obama received him graciously. I thought it was great when Secretary Clinton graciously acknowledged her defeat and his victory. My prayer is that this just continues to be the repeated theme and that we have unity, not division. But unity and division do not simply come from politicians. Politicians reveal and amplify what's already here. Had there been no division or bigotry in your or my heart, there would have been very little of it in the election. They're only magnifying what's in the nation. Unity and division begin with me and you. Check out your kitchen table. Think back to the last five gatherings. Do they mostly consist of people who look and sound just like you? We humans are famous for surrounding ourselves with people who look, sound, and believe exactly like we do. Christians aren't often an exception to that rule either. What if I challenge you to do this? What if you built three genuine friendships with people this next year who are different than you are? Maybe somebody of a different color, socioeconomic status, belief system, marital status, or even a sexual orientation that's different than you. Before you think that's scandalous, just know it puts you in great company. Jesus spent a lot of time just doing that. We want to call ourselves followers of Jesus, but we only want to hang out with followers of Jesus. If you really want to follow Jesus, Jesus didn't hang out with Jesus. 
Jesus was hanging out with everybody but Jesus. He was hanging out with tax collectors, which are politicians. He was hanging out with harlots and prostitutes and drug dealers and the mafia and all sorts of people. They even they even got a, he got a reputation that he loved to party. They called him a wine bibber and a drunkard. Some of you have no shot at that reputation. Because you're only hanging out with holy people. You ain't ever holy, ain't hanging out with anybody else that could give you any reputation. And by the way, if you think you've got a reputation, you may need to get around somebody else because you ain't got that good a reputation. The only difference between you and them is they're being authentic and you're hiding what's going on in your life. Bam! Why? Because Jesus was in the process of saving the world, not saving himself. Last time I checked, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Obviously, in and through the power of Christ. I I just have to pause a minute because this just comes to me. I'm so inspired. I got a uh, text this week. We have, a church, we have a ministry out of our church now to strip clubs. Didn't even know about it, did you? It's undercover. And these powerful women of God have intercessors praying for them. And they slide into these strip clubs with gifts for the girls that are dancing. And they go up and ask them, we just want to bless you. And they give them cosmetics and, and different toiletry items and things they would need. And they pray for them and love on them and tell them they're here for them. And you can't believe the women that are reaching out for prayer and reaching out because of, of love and acceptance and generosity and kindness. Why the church is being the church. I saw two or three of you men going. Women only in this ministry right now. (laughs) But powerful, isn't it? Most of us would never even think about that. Most of us Christians. We would say something like, they just get what they deserve. you You don't have a clue who they are. You don't know the single parents that are just trying to get kids educated and they're just trying to get by and they're just trying to make a living and they don't have a clue about anything else and they're just trying to survive. And we judge them, but we're in love with our 401K. And we vote accordingly. I started a life group a few years back with homosexuals that go to our church. That asked me, can we join a life group? I said, they said, do you have a life group we can join? I said, I don't think so. I said, I'm, not, I'm just afraid we, as much as we love God around here, I'm just not afraid we're mature enough yet to not judge you. So no, I don't. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can start one. 
And so Bev and I did. Some of the finest people you've ever been around in your life. We asked one thing. Do you want to follow Jesus? Yes. We're in. Miracles happened. People say, well, how long did you give them to change? Same amount of time we've given you. <laughs> Forever, if necessary. Number four, start confessing. All this leads to the final suggestion today. How much of the negativity will you own personally? Now, I know when there's a problem, I'd rather assign blame than assume responsibility. But I also know that there's zero progress in that. Confession bridges the gap between blame and responsibility. Maybe if the church got better at confessing and not blaming, we'd have a better church. What can you confess today? What part of this bigotry and hatred and division do you own? Who have you hurt? Who do you hate? Who do you demonize just because you don't agree with them? Who have you mistreated? Even if it's your neighbor on your side of the street, just start there. You see, we're all worried about our kids watching politicians and mimicking them. I promise you, your kids are watching you much more closely than they're watching politicians. So take your personal sin seriously. It's important what happens in the White House, but it's more important what's happening in your house. Our children will do what we do. They'll say what we say. So what do we do? We confess. We repent. We change. When I confess my sins as a husband, as a father, as a leader, and a friend, everyone around me begins to heal. Some of us need to go home today and have a family lunch and tell our children, tell our wives, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I've said awful things about people that I didn't even understand. I've demonized people that I didn't really understand. And please forgive me. It won't happen again. I'm going to lead you differently than I've led you up to this point. There again, I have no problem with policy. I have no problem with belief and policy, but it's attitude. That's what's important. It's how we do it. Imagine if that happened 10,000 times over today in families, churches, and communities. If we repented and owned our part of our division in our nation. We're worried about it happening in our nation. We're not even getting it right in a church. Amen. 
And I believe it's important that we make some changes. See, if there's power of life and death in the tongue, and we elect an official, and all we do for their term is speak negative, accusatory, maligning words about them and to them, and then we wonder why things aren't changing. If there's a swamp in Washington, you created it. I'm not saying there's not, and I'm not saying it doesn't need to be drained. I'm just saying if it's there, we created it. Our words. Words create worlds. And I lived for eight years with Christians, big percent, and every time I got around them and the president was mentioned, Nothing but negative, demeaning, derogatory statements about the man leading the free world. Challenged in his birth. Challenging his religion. And don't know a thing about him. There again. Have no problem with you not liking him. Have no problem with not liking his policy. Have no problem with him not being your flavor. But if you speak about him, speak with honor and integrity and character. I don't like his policy, but he's a president and I honor him and I bless him in the name of Jesus. And did you know when I challenged our congregation eight years to, play, to pray for the first African-American president ever elected to lead the free world? Because of the racial divide and the political divide, people left the church and refused to pray. And we call ourselves followers of Jesus. I'm not saying pray because you like them. I'm saying pray because God's word says, pray for those who are in authority over you. 1 Timothy 2, 2 and 4. I better use a scripture. <laughs> Therefore I exhort you, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Isn't this interesting? When Paul wrote that, Nero was leading, killing Christians. Paul said, pray for him. Now, I don't know about you, I've only been alive 54 years now, but my whole time in America, not one of our presidents has killed Christians yet. And by the way, side note, you could have been born in any nation of the world and were born in America. We should count that blessing every day. Every day. We got a crew in Uganda today from our church ministering. I've seen pictures of them 
church with dirt floors, cooking over an open fire. They're not camping. They're just living with the people. That's how they live. Dictators that lead them. Corruption, rampant. Yet the reports come to me, some of the happiest, lovingest, Christ-like people that you've ever laid your eyes on. We sit around here, greatest economy in the world, driving climate-controlled cars to climate-controlled buildings, sleeping in digital beds that up and down and remote control, internet everywhere you go, grocery stores full of food, not, not asking, are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? And we don't want to do nothing but bellyache and murmur and complain about what's happening in our, in our nation. If we're going to get judged, it won't be for homosexuality and abortion. We'll get judged for our stinking attitude about how we handled the blessings that God put on us. Sodom and Gomorrah, it says in Ezekiel 16, it says they weren't judged because of sexual sin. They were judged because they did not consider the poor and the blessings they had enjoyed. So, we need to repent. Because I, I realize a lot of people are disappointed that Trump's president. But you're going to have to pray for him. You need to speak good about him. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be a wild ride. He's wild. God may have chosen him, but he chose a wild one. I'm going to tell you that right now. There ain't no telling what he's going to say. We need to pray for that man. But I believe God can use him. I don't believe God would have called him and, and elected him if he didn't have a plan for him. All we need to pray is, God, let him know your plan. Let him hear your plan. Bring prophets around him, Lord. Let him hear what you're saying. Right? So I thought we'd do a challenging exercise today. I got a little bit more to talk to you about. We all right? I think my watch stopped. I think we ought to pray for all three of these guys. I think we ought to pray for President Obama because he served our nation's eight years. May not be pleased with his policies or, what he, or, the, or the rules that he made, but he served with great character and integrity. There's not a scandal around him. He's a great husband. He's a great dad. He, he's, he's a great man. Secretary Clinton, she's served our nation for 30 years in public service. Like her, don't like her. Corrupt, not corrupt. That's not us. That's God's, that's God's business. My, our business is 30 years she served our nation. 1969, it was written in her annual that she would be the first woman American president. I believe she lived her whole life thinking that would happen. But it didn't. She's a human being. 
And I, probably, I can't even begin to comprehend what that defeat felt like. To think all your life, this is what's going to happen. And you get right to the door and you think it's your destiny. And it doesn't happen. That's got to be crippling emotionally to feel that kind of disappointment. She needs our prayers. Because there's a lot of good she can still do for people and children and women around the world. We just need to pray for her. Pray God speak to her. Pray God heal her. And our wild new president, Mr. Trump. <laughs> he is a sight. We got to pray for him. Rick Joyner says it's going to be like Peter. It's going to be like one day, flesh and man, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to him. That's just extraordinary. And next day, Satan, get behind me. It's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be that kind of. But we got to, the prophets have come to console us, God's hands with this man for now. And that's what we have to trust. So we need to pray for him, pray for wisdom, pray for God to help him and encourage him and change him if it need be and, and stand with him, speak words of life to him and his family and trust that he'll lead our nation into the next season that God has ordained for us to move into. And the bottom, bottom, bottom line is we got to remember, we don't follow the donkey. We don't follow the elephant. We follow the lamb. Now, sometimes the lamb rides a donkey. And sometimes the lamb rides an elephant. But it ain't the donkey or the elephant that's important. It's the lamb that's riding them into the purpose and the seasons that we're entering into as a nation. So, we start here. Father, forgive us, for we have sinned. We have sinned against you. Disobedient. According to 2 Timothy 2, 2 and 4, we have not prayed and covered our leaders. And we've allowed our personal preference to cause us to live in disobedience to your word. And we are very sorry. And we take the responsibility as the church to say from this point forward, whoever you choose to lead our nation, we will get behind and we will pray for and we will cover and we will gird up and we will stand for and believe with for our nation. So we begin today by praying for President Obama and Michelle and their family. Forgive us for the negative words that we spoke toward this man as he's tried to lead our nation to the best of his ability in the wisdom that he's had. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you to bless him. We ask you to bless his family. We ask you for this transition to be smooth. We ask you for him to have wisdom to work with President-elect Trump to lead our nation to this next season and transition together. We bless him, his wife, his children with protection, with grace, with goodness. And Lord, open their eyes so that they know what their next season is and how they're supposed to move in it. Lord, we direct our hearts towards Secretary Clinton and her husband, Bill Clinton, and their family. Lord, we pray for them today. Lord, we thank you for her service to our country and to our nation. Lord, we ask you to heal her heart of disappointment. 
We ask you to help her in any area of her life or her husband's life that needs correction or motivation, just like all of us need. Lord, we cover them in prayer today. We cover them when we bless them with protection and care and concern. And Lord, we ask you to lead them into their purpose and their destiny. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for President-elect Trump, his wife Melania, and their family. Lord, give him wisdom. Lord, I pray for the seven spirits of God to fall upon this man's life. I pray for the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord to rest upon his life. God, if you called him, you got a plan for him. Now put godly men and women around him that'll speak the truth. And Lord, that'll move his heart toward the things of righteousness and justice and peace for this nation and our world. Lord, give him supernatural favor with leaders around the world. And Lord, whatever you need to do and whatever you're wanting to do in our nation, Lord, we ask you to empower them supernaturally to move forward under your grace, under your plan and your direction. And we vow to speak life and strength and health to him and his family and protection. And we do it in the name of Jesus. And we pray for this nation. We say, Lord God, this is your nation that you have founded. We thank you. And now today we take up not only the, the, the privilege, but the responsibility of being in this nation. And we say, Lord, we will refuse to complain and murmur about this place. But we will stand as people who are responsible to pray and stand for your purposes and your plans in this nation. And Lord, not just politically, because we know that is not the answer. But we say, let the church arise in America and let souls be saved. Let revival fires burn. Raise up the apostolic church that we are to feed the hungry and care for the poor. Raise up the ministries and the missionaries and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers and the prophets and the apostles so this nation would become ablaze with the glory of God like you promised it would. You said the glory of God will cover the whole earth like waters the sea. Lord, let revival come to this nation from coast to coast, from mountain to mountain, from north to east and south and west. Lord, let your purpose come. Let your kingdom be fulfilled in this nation, oh God. We ask you for it and we believe you for it and we thank you for it in advance in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said amen. amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise today. Woo! Yeah. 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 Sit down just a minute. I'm not done. <laughs> I need just a few more minutes. Is that okay? Yeah. Won't take long. This is important. I want to say a side note for some courage for us. When I saw uh, President-elect Trump give his uh, acceptance speech, I, the old Lord opened my spiritual eyes. And when he walked up there and he stood in the spirit, I saw him trembling. I said, Lord, what's that? He said, it's the fear of the Lord. I said, what do you mean? He said, he's just realized what he's got. And he trembled under the weight of it. I saw it with my own eyes. So I'm trusting that the fear of the Lord, because that's the beginning of wisdom. And if you'll notice, I'm not saying it's continue, it will continue, but if you notice, tone changed. Things changed. Because it was like, this is, this, is, this, is, this is serious business. So we can just trust that, and we trust that the prophets have said it, and that God's got a plan. 
And we can be those ambassadors of hope, peace, joy, as we go and be the, and we're the church. Now, real quick, let's get it down to us because this is important to me. The same prophets that prophesied Trump to be president accurately, so do Sundare, Chuck Pierce, Neville Johnson, are the same prophets that prophesied what would happen in Word of Life. Now, if a prophet in California in August can tell you that he went to the council of God and saw Trump and God say, this will be the president, when there was no way that was supposed to happen. That's the same prophets that prophesied what God wants to do in this church. Now, I don't know about you, but I got stinking stoked when I got a hold of this, that God, these promises and prophecies for us are true. And I know some of you aren't excited because you may not even know them. But I just want to tell you real, I just want to show you real quick, okay? I'll show you Sadu real quick. Check this out. I've edited it so it's not long. I say I. Ken, please take two steps to the front. The Lord Jesus Christ shows me, my dear pastor, because you have been humble and willing to open your heart to the mysteries of heaven, to the secrets of God. God has chosen you and God has chosen this church to make his glory known in a greater dimension. If you be willing O man of God, if you be willing and can be willing, God desires to establish a base camp in this region to affect the pulling down of the enemy's strongholds and to send forth God's earthly army, land force all throughout this land. I see the army of God just like soldiers who the land force soldiers will go into every nook and corner of a land or to occupy territory. Angels of God armed like soldiers, warring angels are going in every nook and corner to recapture enemy territory. If you be willing, my servant, to establish a house of prayer, a house of worship that will create an atmosphere for my glory to abide in your midst, Surely, I will visit you and your people in a new way. And if you be willing, O man of God, angels of God will come in and go out in your midst. For there is something that you are doing that pleases the heart of God very much. In that, that you care for the poor. 
but I see the whole state of Alabama. The whole state of Alabama seemed to be carved out and marked out, reserved unto God. If you be willing, my dear pastor, and establish the presence of God here, you will see the glory of God in a new dimension. I see the Lord Jesus Christ standing in our midst right now. And Pastor Kent, the Lord Jesus Christ appears before you. And his right hand he places upon your head. And with his other hand, he's putting a bunch of keys in your hand. He has been given keys to open the doors of God. To open the portals for the glory of God to come in your midst. As these golden keys are placed in your hands. Your hands been strengthened to do this work of the Lord. For you shall be given a mouth to speak. A mouth to preach that you have not known before. And your legs will be strengthened to go to new places to announce the good news of God and to pull down the strongholds of the enemy and to establish beachheads for the glory of God to open territories to open the strongholds of the enemy in the nations for the glory of God to rush in And I, 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 really want the, I really want you to hear these prophecies because I, God wants to use them to move us. This is the season that we're about to begin to step into these prophecies. So you need to determine as you hear them, are you called to this tribe? Because this is where this tribe is going. And these prophecies, this is the prophetic future of what our next days look like here at Word Alive. And you need to determine, is this what God's calling you to do and be a part of? Because God's calling us from Coldwater, Alabama to establish a base camp. Not Darkness is demanding. We can't have a regular church anymore. We've got to move in apostolic power like we've never seen before if we're going to do what God's going to do in this nation and nations around the world. Second, quickly, Neville Johnson, the same guy that was with Sadu that gave him the affirmation to release the prophecy of Trump, this is the second prophet to our church. But what I'm here to tell you is that God is offering you a move of God that will eclipse anything you have seen. What happened in Pensacola won't even feed, it'll just be a blip on the radar compared to what God is offering you. Just recently, um, in my home, the Lord came to me and took me to heaven and uh, with an angel. And I was standing outside this huge auditorium and it was huge, and big doors, big golden doors. That, they looked like timber, but they were gold. And uh, when I walked inside, the whole room was empty, but though it was very big. And, but down the walls, there were etched on the walls faces. And uh, it's very, very interesting. And I recognized some, I recognized some like Enoch, 
And uh, I said, what is this place? And the angel said, you go outside and look at the, th the name over the door. So I went back outside and looked up at the door and it was the Pioneers Hall of Fame. And I thought, whoa, I've never heard of that. The Pioneers Hall of Fame. So I came back in, started looking at the faces and some I recognized, some I didn't. <laughs> you know, but Pastor Ken's face was on the wall. I looked at some of these faces, I sensed a whole real sense of destiny. And uh, when I met your pastor just a few days ago, I thought, I know that face. That face was on the wall. Next night, boy, same thing happened to me. So I pulled up right in bed, opened my eyes and said, what? What is it, Lord? And no longer there. I don't know how this happens to me, but it happens to me. So, I was in an underground cavern. I looked down in there to see what was going on. And on a ledge further down, there were black panthers walking around the edge, guarding this whole place. I thought, if they see me, I'm gone. And the Lord says, I want you to go down there and retrieve something. And I said, you've got to be joking. <laughs> I had to run for my life at times. But eventually, I got to a place where there were two, um, you know what a baton is? Two of them in a case, like a glass case. And I thought, the Lord said, that's what you need to get. I picked the rock up and smashed the glass, grabbed them and started to run up, up the side. I had these two things and I looked at them. At first I thought they were scrolls, but then I noticed they weren't, they were batons. And I thought, Lord, what is this about? He said, that baton was taken captive by the enemy in the charismatic move. I wanted you to give it to a pastor in Alabama. He said, it will be 10 times greater than what I ever saw. And your pastor walked in, I knew he was the man. So I said, that is the man. You give this to this man and he will pick it up, take it to the next level. I've given it, he said, I want to give it to him. Last but not least, uh, Chuck Pierce, who will be here tonight at 6 p.m., they, they had adopted three children uh, because she was barren. Can you believe this? They were Baptist, got filled with the Holy Spirit, moved into supernatural things, received a prophecy that she would be barren no more after they had adopted three kids. They birthed twins, carried them full term, and lost them both. And the devastating results caused them to travel across America in a prayer time to try to heal themselves and pray for the nation. In 1988, he stopped in Oxford, Alabama, and God said, this is the place where you will see the restoration of not for your, just for your life, but in the kingdom of God, a double portion of God's anointing and spirit will be distributed in this territory for a move of God. Uh, and he prayed. And so check this out, and then we'll pray. Lord, ask us, uh, we were about... I would have to say 
10 months into the process of losing those twins. And the Lord asked us to drive across America. And I was working into the Soviet bloc country, and I would speak, of course, some. And to drive across to the eastern part and go to all the Civil War battlefields, north and south, because Pam was from New Hampshire. And so we drove all the way to New Hampshire, and then we drove all the way back. When we got here, now this is with three kids, when we got to this area, God said, stop. I've shared a portion of this, but I don't think I've ever shared it quite the way I think you can get it tonight. He said, stop here. I want you to pray here for two days because this is where I will restore the double portion. There wasn't anything here. Why in the world would you stop in Oxford and Anniston (laughs) of all the places in all of America that you've been going to? And God said, this is where you will hold up until you feel like that which you lost will come back in a new portion here. Now hear what I'm saying to you. There is a will of God on certain places that can't be stopped. As long as God, you don't even have to understand it. You don't, have to, you don't have to know how you're to do it, how you're to enter in with it. All you have to know is there's something so sovereign about certain places. So you can imagine when Paul Keith Davis said to me, you know, there's something going on in the Anniston area. Do you know anything about Anniston, Alabama? I said, I stayed there two days and prayed. I mean, really, the only thing we could go to was that museum. There's some museum here somewhere when you have kids. And, and, and we went to, and we prayed until I knew that the Lord would birth the place for the double portion. And Chuck says, this is that place. So stand up with me. Chuck's going to be here tonight at 6 p.m., and he's a prophet of God. He prophesied eight years ago that you'd have to be ready to play the trump card. He prophesied this whole election situation. He prophesied Barack Obama would be a president and prophesied he'd be a president for eight years. And when, during the election, he flew to be in Israel. So when this was the election happened, he was in Israel because God sent him to Israel because he said, I'm there on assignment. He texts me because I'm to align the nation of Israel with America during this election and make sure that alignment stays to what God wants it to be in prayer. And he said, isn't it interesting, the very state that God spoke to me about in that prophecy of 08 after he said, play the Trump card and Obama would be president, the very next state he spoke to me about was the state of Alabama. He said, interesting enough, I'm flying from Israel Back home to Texas, and my first meeting from Israel after this election is in the state of Alabama. And Chuck, I believe tonight, will be here with prophetic insight of how we move now in this season. Why? Because it's not political. First the natural, then the spiritual. This big political shift and upheaval is just a foreshadowing, showing you what's actually happening in the spirit. Everything's being shaken that can be shaken because we're about to see a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so I know... 
I know a lot of you, you know, Monday's a work day. We, it's not going to be forever, you know, here on Sunday night. But it's important if you're part of this tribe to get back out here. I know some of you have to drive to do it. But we need to rally tonight around this prophetic voice, around Chuck Pierce, to, to hear the instructions of the Lord so that we can now move with these prophecies in this season because I believe now's the time. Chuck just prophesied the winds that have been held back for the last eight years are now being released. And I'm telling you, there's something very significant going to transpire tonight here at 6 p.m. I need you to be here with me if you can. Before we leave today, I want to make these declarations over your life as we move in this new season. Number one, you're going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I decree a blessing over you that you're going to be full of the power of the Spirit, that you're going to be activated in the gifts of the Spirit, and you're going to shift the spiritual atmosphere by His holy presence wherever you go. Number two, God's kingdom. I decree a blessing over you that you're going to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and you will preach the gospel of the kingdom and signs and wonders are going to follow you as you announce God's kingdom and your spheres of influence. Number three, for your family, I decree a blessing over all your relationships, beginning with your family, that God will bless your marriage, the fruit of your womb, bless your children, your grandchildren, your friendships in his church and in the marketplace and your entire family to be blessed. I say prosperity is your portion this season. I decree a blessing over your finances that God will break the spirit of poverty off of you and your bloodline and that you will prosper financially. That God will bless you with the power to gain wealth and that you would advance his kingdom with your generosity. And lastly, your destiny. I decree a blessing over you to be led by the spirit and his word and that you will know and obey his will and fulfill your destiny. Jeremiah 29 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We need the word and the Holy Spirit to fulfill our destiny. And last of all, we say God is intentional in blessing you. He wants you to bear fruit for the sake of others. And the foundation of all blessing is the cross. And we say in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we exchange our problems, our sickness and difficulty for his glorious salvation and blessings. His blessings are not earned. They are rooted in God's great love for us and his infinite mercy and we have been delivered from all curses through the power of the cross. I say in this season as something shifted and changes even in this nation something shifts and changes even in your life and now we move out of every curse and into every generational blessing that God has for us. I say be blessed in this season in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Anybody in agreement shout Yes! Amen! Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. For more sermons and content like this, visit wordalive.tv. Have a great week!